he just pulls out a gun and kills everybody, including his wife and his kids, everybody who's there, and kind of reveals that he's an undercover Nazi agent, and he's been undercover for 30 years, and that's, that's the start of the show. <laughs> so that is, when I watched that, I was like, oh shit, this is going to get interesting. Yeah, it was a little traumatizing. <laughs> You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Med Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. Today we have a big one for you. We got a big episode. We have a lot to talk about with this uh, show. But before we get into it, so I don't know, what was it like two months ago? We were going to review um, a show that is also on Amazon Prime called um, Man in the High Castle. Yep. And we, we ended up not going through with it um, for a couple of reasons. But one of the main reasons was I personally could not get into it. I watched an episode and maybe 10 minutes of episode two, and I was just like, can't do it, right? And if you're unfamiliar with Man in the High Castle, it is a fictional world where if Germany and Japan and uh, the Axis's hadn't lost the war, World War II. So um, it's a very interesting concept. I just personally couldn't get into the story. But another show that is not similar, but also deals with Nazis, is also on Amazon Prime that we were told to watch by a few people at Atlas, and I was very, very interested and was hooked within the first 10 minutes. And this show is called Hunters. Um, like I said, it is also available on Amazon Prime. Um, it was, it, it premiered on February 21st of 2020, so it has only been out for a couple months. And it has 10 episodes. And um, the first episode is the longest, it's about an hour and a half. And then the rest are about an hour. So I don't know, man. It took me almost two weeks to get through this show because it's pretty heavy. That's exactly what I was going to say. And and I did watch all of The Man in the High Castle. And it was also a very heavy show. I think that even though it's been obviously a super long time since World War II at this point, um, it's still just hard to see the realities of what happened um, during that time. And to see it out, see it on the screen is it's just really, really heavy for sure. I agree. I feel like it's something that no matter how long it's been, it's not something that we can ever take lightly and you have to tread lightly when you talk about it. I think, um, this show is, um, like I said, it is heavy. It does have some comedic moments. Um, it has kind of like a comic book feel it's been told, um, or it's been said that it is almost kind of like a superhero show. Um, where these um, Nazi hunters are the superheroes and the Nazis, of course, are the villains. Um, but it has also had a lot of controversy since its uh, premiere. But uh, we will get into all of that after we talk about all the episodes. So again, like I said, the show is super heavy. It has a lot going on. So we're going to try hard to kind of stick to the bigger plot points. But before I get to that, just a quick plot summary. 
So um, the series is inspired by a number of real Nazi hunters through the decades, but it is not meant to be a specific representation of any of them. It follows a diverse band of Nazi hunters living in New York City in 1977 who discover that Nazi war criminals are conspiring to create a Fourth Reich in the United States. A parallel plot element is the discovery of Operation Paperclip, the U.S. government operation relocating many German scientists, many of them Nazis, into the U.S. So just by that alone, when I, you know, kind of found out what this show is about, I was like, this sounds really interesting and cool. And I don't know about you, Nina, but I don't know. I love the 70s. Like, I know it wasn't like a great decade as far as stuff that was going on, but I just, I love 70s history and style and the show. And 70s fashion is excellent. I love it. <laughs> I love the style. Like, and I thought the show did a great job of depicting the clothes that people wore, their hairstyles. Like, it mm -hmm. looks really authentic. So I thought that was cool right off the bat. Yep. Um, let's get into the cast. We've got some big names here. The biggest one being, of course, um, Al Pacino, who plays um, one of our lead characters, Meyer Offerman, who is a Polish Jewish philanthropist and Holocaust survivor who recruits and leads the group of the hunters. Um, Logan Lerman, who is uh, known for, well, I didn't mention, but Al Pacino, we all know who Al Pacino is, you know, very famous actor. Logan Lerman um, became famous in, uh, I think, the Percy Jackson series and also was in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Did you ever see that one? I didn't, though. It was on my watch list for a long time, and I kind of forgot about it. Did you ever read the book? No, I wish I would have. That was kind of like a cult classic during, like, when we were in high school and middle school, but yes. I just never got around to it. It's so good, and in my opinion, I, I love books. Don't read as much as I would like to, but um, whenever there is a book that becomes a movie that I've, that I've read, I always want to give the movie a, a watch. And it's one of those few movies that I think does a really good job translating book to film. Um, and he plays uh, the lead character in that. So you should definitely give it a watch and read the book. I have it if you want it. I do want to read it. He was also in a whole bunch of different movies because I kept looking at his face and thinking, man, this guy looks so familiar to me and I couldn't figure out why. But he's been in a ton of movies. He was in Fury. Um, he he was in Percy Jackson, like you said, The Three Musketeers, the one that came out in 2011, um, The Butterfly Effect. Whoa, um, he was? Yeah. I don't know who he was. He was what? in The Patriot. Like, he must have done a lot of stuff, like, as a younger, because he's about our age. He's 28. So when, you know, back when he was, like, in, like, a young, like, 10, 11, Hold on, I gotta time. find out. I gotta, I gotta find out who, who this, uh, who his character was. That's interesting. Um, but he plays the character. Um, oh, he's uh, like the young kid, I think. Oh my god! Hold on, I'll get to that. Okay, uh, Jonah Heidelbaum, who is a young mathematics whiz, and he takes his grandmother Ruth's place on the Hunters. And one thing that I did when I was researching, um, doing my notes on this movie and looking into the actors in the, in the sorry, researching the show and um, the actors in the show, um, I wanted to see how many of the characters were actually Jewish. So Logan is of Jewish descent. Thought that was interesting. Um, we also have, um, I just went off the Wikipedia page as far as like the lead, you know, every episode actors. Um, Lena or Lena Olin as the Colonel, who's the leader of the Fourth Reich, 
um, Jerrica Hinton, who's from Grey's Anatomy, um, as Millie Morris, an FBI agent who stumbles into the Fourth Reich and the Hunters during a murder investigation. Saul Rubinick as Murray Markowitz, Mindy's husband and the Hunters' electronics expert. He's also a Holocaust survivor. This actor is also Jewish. Uh, Carol Kane, very famous actress known from uh, Taxi. She's also on Broadway as uh, Mindy Markowitz, Murray's wife and the Hunters' signals expert. And she's also um, a Holocaust survivor and the actress is also Jewish. She was also in one of my favorite shows, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, she was. I loved her in that show. And I feel like she just has like such a, like she always plays like the same kind of like, kind of a weird character. Oh, I love her so much. And yes. she is such a, um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? She is such a um, recognizable voice. Yes, she does. Um, love, love her. her. Uh, Josh Radner, who was, um, whose biggest role, of course, Ted Mosby in How I Met Your Mother plays uh, Lonnie Flash, an actor and the master of disguise for the Hunters. He's also Jewish, uh, which I didn't know. Um, Greg Austin as um, Travis, uh, is it Leitch? Uh, he's um, uh, an American Nazi who is drawn into the Fourth Reich. Uh, Tiffany Boone as Roxy. She is the Hunter's driver and first fighter. Uh, Louis Ozawa as Joe, who's a Vietnam War vet and the Hunter's combat expert. Kate Mulvaney as Sister Harriet, a former MI6 operative who now works with the Hunters. She's also a former German Jewish child refugee. Dylan, and uh, finally, Dylan Baker as Biff Simpson, an undersecretary of state in the Carter administration and secretly an undercover Nazi agent. And um, this guy has been in a ton of stuff but he received critical acclaim for his role in The Good Wife and in the film Happiness. When I went and looked at all of his roles, he's had a lot of small roles and tons of movies and shows over the years, but I just wanted to pick like the biggest things. So yeah, a lot of big names and also some small names too. Um, but overall, I'd say this cast does a phenomenal job. I don't think there's a weak link in the cast at all. They do a great job with, um, with what um, they're given. And um, yeah, big fan. Just looking at Logan's uh, Wikipedia page, and yes, he is that kid. Um, I, wow, I'm surprised I didn't I didn't recognize him because I've seen yeah. both of those movies. He's also in Riding in Cars with Boys. He's in a lot of movies that I watched when I was younger. Yeah, but he was like our age, so yeah, I know. Weird. I, yeah, interesting. He, if you've never seen Butterfly Effect too, his role like. He was, uh, okay, the movie came out in 2004, and he's, like, literally, like, four days older than me. He would have been probably, like, 11 when they made that movie. Um, wow. The, the amount of swear words that that kid says is pretty funny. Also, what an intense movie in general for a young person to be in. Oh, yeah, and if you're familiar with that movie at all, like, his role in it and, like, the scenes that he's in, oof. Anyway, getting back to Hunters. So again, there's 10 episodes. The first one is an hour and a half. And when I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, why is it so long? But it actually, it makes sense because it's really kind of pulling you into the story and it's really getting you familiar with pretty much the whole plot as a whole and kind of what gets Jonah 
into the group of the hunters since he's kind of our our main character. All right, so um, episode one, like I said, is what got me hooked in the first 10 minutes. It starts off with a bang, quite literally. Um, Biff Simpson is hosting a barbecue at his house. And um, I guess, I'm assuming like a coworker or somebody shows up with a girl. So um, this guest of the barbecue, she starts freaking out and speaking, I'm assuming German or Polish. And um, she remembers Biff as um, a senior Nazi member and says, you know, you murdered my whole family. He at first denies it and like, maybe she needs to lie down. But then he just pulls out a gun and kills everybody, including his wife and his kids, everybody who's there and kind of reveals that he's an undercover Nazi agent and he's been undercover for 30 years. And that's, that's the start of the show. <laughs> so that is, when I watched that, I was like, oh shit, this is going to get interesting. Yeah, it was a little traumatizing <laughs> way yeah. to start a show. It lets you know right away. The what, tone of your show. Yeah, it, it lets you know this, this is what to expect, so buckle up. All right, so in the beginning, we meet Jonah, who is 19. He lives in Brooklyn, New York, and um, he's like a math whiz, and he hangs out with his buddies who have just the best nicknames, Booty Hole and Cheeks. And he's just a typical 19-year-old. He lives with his grandmother. His mom passed away giving birth to him, so his grandmother is the only family he's ever had. Um, one night in their home, he witnesses her being murdered, but he uh, hesitates to make a move, um, and he regrets it. Um, and at um, the uh, sitting um, shiva for her, for her death, he meets uh, Meyer Offerman, who is an old friend of his grandmother. Um, he looks to avenge her death, and he goes, <laughs> this is funny, he goes to like, pretend he's like selling drugs to a gang because he well he's going to give them a bunch of weed and he's like hey I'll give this to you if you give me information because the gang is supposed to know everything that goes on within New York um but the, it gets busted and he gets arrested Meyer bails him out and meanwhile there's an elderly NASA scientist who is gassed in her shower so that's going on um Jonah reaches out to Meyer again and he comes to his home and um, he finds a few clues, and uh, Meyer even tells him the story of um, a Nazi while he was in the Holocaust um, who had this, like, very sadistic chess game, and that is how uh, Ruth's sister was murdered, and um, based on clues in Meyer's home, Jonah finds out who the man is. He is a toy shop owner, and um, he uh, goes to kill him, um, but the, you know, being a former guard of uh, the Nazi regime, he is able to protect himself a little bit and he gets the upper hand. That's when Meyer arrives and kills him. And Jonah's like, what the hell is going on? And this is when Meyer kind of tells him about the hunters, what their goal is, what they're doing to eradicate the living Nazis who have been living under the radar in the United States. And he speaks of one in particular, the wolf. But we don't really know anything about that guy yet, but you will. You will find out soon enough. Um, so then, um, Meyer brings Jonah into the group and they're reluctant at first because he's young and he's inexperienced, but he gains some acceptance after, um, they kind of learned about his code breaking skills. He learns the history of his own grandmother's involvement in the hunters. She was responsible for putting together the archive of the files and interviews. Um, meanwhile, um, FBI agent Millie is investigating the death of the NASA scientist down in Florida. She speaks with people at NASA. They say that she was a very quiet woman, kind of kept to herself. Um, and that's when she kind of starts to uncover the bigger story, which is um, Nazis living in America and having these, you know, 
huge high profile jobs. Um, you also find out quickly, I don't know if you find out this early on, but you do find out that she um, is a lesbian, which is kind of like a side story, but it comes into play a little bit later. So meanwhile, there is a group of underground Nazis run by a woman called the Colonel, and their whole goal is to infiltrate the American government to uh, start a Fourth Reich. A young member, Travis, is sent to Florida to find out who is killing all of their members. Travis is terrifying. Creepy this, as hell. This kid has no reason to be as like racist and just like horrifying as he is. So I'm really interested, like, like what inspired him to join this group, this like underground Nazi group? Why is he the way he is? I would like to know. I'm very curious. Super weird. Um, so, um, the hunters, they find a record producer who is a murderous Pied Piper of, um, oh my gosh, said Buchenwald, Buchenwald, one of the camps, I'm so sorry, um, who, um, he is, uh, broadcasting messages from a studio in the form of children's music. They're not sure what it all means yet. Jonah is left in charge of watching him while they, kind of do a little investigating around the studio. And um, the man, because Jonah is young and he's impressionable, he kind of falls for this man's ruse that, you know, oh, you know, we were just following orders. I'm a different person. That's not me anymore. And um, ends up kind of breaking loose and capturing Jonah. But um, I think it's Joe who ends up killing the guy. So Jonah kind of messed up the whole thing. They didn't get any more information out of this guy, so he's he's dead, and they have to leave. But they don't leave without any of the uh, the records that are being broadcast. Um, they you know, obviously you know want to find out what they're broadcasting. What is it? And then Jonah kind of admits to Meyer, you know, he made the mistake because he can't handle torture like the rest of them. They like play this music super super loud and burst his eardrums, and he's like, I can't handle that, which kind of shows you know his innocence from the very beginning. I think it's obvious at this point now that, you know, the hunters, they're not gonna show mercy on anybody. They're there to kill these people, but they wanna get as much information out of them as possible. So the fact that they had to kill this guy prematurely to getting any information out of him, they're kind of pissed at Jonah. Oh yeah, and Jonah doesn't see it that way. He sees it, you right. know, we're all people, we're all humans, but he he very quickly loses his innocence, but he's still innocent at this point. Um, meanwhile, Mindy and Murray um, Markovitz um, are, uh, I just love them. They're two of my favorite characters in the whole show. Their, their banter back and forth is so sweet. And I just, I love Carol Kane, of course. Um, so they're listening to the records, trying to find the code and they find an underlying track of Morse code. Um, they find uh, certain dates, which are all dates in history of different tragedies. Um, alluding to the fact that the Nazis were behind these tragedies and then a bunch of like letters and just a bunch of gibberish they aren't able to decipher yet but then they find one date that's two weeks in the future so something's going to happen but they're not sure what is going to happen yet. Meanwhile Jonah leaves the hunters for a while and he's spending time with his friends um, but he quickly realizes that he's you know already in too deep he's already associated with the group of the hunters and then his friend Booty is murdered by Travis, who actually, and it was actually really sweet when Booty was like defending him. Travis comes in looking for him. And he's like, oh, I don't know him. He doesn't work here. He's, and he even tries to get away. Like he's very brave in the moment. 
but unfortunately is murdered. That made me sad. And then uh, Jonah finds his body at the comic book store where they work and immediately feels guilt. And not only for the guilt, he feels guilt not only for Booty's murder, but you know, his, his grandmother, you know, he's like, I, I, I wasn't there. I hesitated. Um, so he's starting to feel guilty about all these people who are close to him being murdered. Um, in the fourth episode, this episode was interesting. Um, and I know there's a lot of different movies and, um, you know, stories about all of the art and, uh, treasure and artifacts that were taken from, from Jews during the Holocaust. They find out that there's this bank in New Jersey that is being run by basically like, I would say like a not a Nazi sympathizer. Like he didn't actually actively participate in anything, but he let them put all this treasure in the bank and didn't say anything, didn't do anything. Meyer confronts the man and they go down and um, actually take some of it as like proof. Like, hey, we know what you're doing. They blackmail him for a little bit of information, but then that man kills himself um, before any other information can come out of him. And this is also when Jonah learns more about Meyer's relationship with his grandmother in the form of uh, her letters. So we learn quickly that um, Ruth and Meyer had a complicated relationship in the past, especially while they were in the Holocaust. Um, through a series of flashbacks, we learn more about the wolf and how he kind of had a thing for Ruth. He wanted her to be like his assistant or something. Um, but she, of course, was in love with Meyer and also he was a Nazi. Why would she want anything to do with him? So um, the wolf is obviously very jealous. So he does um, torturous experiments on Meyer. And um, in this episode, this is halfway through the series, there's kind of a break in the group, half go to Alabama to pursue a Nazi doctor. The other half go after this, uh, like a political consultant named Tilda, who um, they believe used to be a Nazi propaganda film director. Um, Millie continues on her own leads. So she meets with this guy, Millie does, that's, um, he's like a reporter or something, right? Was that guy a reporter? I think so. I think he was. And he was, he was like disgraced. He was fired. She wants more information on Meyer because he did, he did like some like cover pieces on him or something. And we learned that this guy was starting to uncover like that there were Nazis in America. Somebody blackmailed him with like child pornography. He lost his job. He, he lost everything to try to uncover this story. And she asks him, she's like, would you do it all over again? And he was like, no. Like, to him, it wasn't worth it, even though he was doing something right. But while they're having drinks together, um, Millie gets beaten up at the bar, in the bathroom, and we never find out who it is exactly, but they're basically like, you know, be quiet, stop looking around for information. And they also know about her being gay. And this, and that's kind of where it comes into play, too. You also find out that Millie's mom um, she kind of has an estranged relationship with her parents. I don't think they know that she's gay. Um, but she has a relationship with this nurse who happens to be taking care of her mom who, like, what does she even have? The mom? Yeah. I don't know. She had just some kind of terminal illness. Um, I think they maybe said it in one of the episodes, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So anyway, in Alabama, Jonah, Joe, and Harriet pursue the Nazi doctor at a 4th of July celebration. Um, he's murdered, but then Harriet runs off with this other Nazi and she leaves the other two there. And so that's when they're like, she's a traitor. Holy shit. What are we going to do? All this information that she has. 
Um, and then meanwhile, the other group, it's uh, Lonnie, um, Meyer, and Roxy that are interrogating Tilda. And I mean, they interrogate her for hours and they feed her like, like fertilizer, right? Like, I think so. Like shit, basically. Trying yeah, to get, it was gross. It was. Trying to get her to talk and she keeps saying, she keeps insisting, I'm not a Nazi. I don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, after a while, she starts insulting them. And um, she confronts Meyer and she starts speaking German to him, kind of like leading you to believe that she knows something, he knows something, and he just like kills her in cold blood. I really thought she denied it so much. I was like, God, maybe she's not actually. And then she starts like aggressively speaking in German. I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yep, me too. But then, yeah, Meyer just kills her. And Lonnie and Roxy are like, what the hell? We didn't verify her. We don't, we don't have anything. And he was just like, oh, I knew. It's fine. And that's when you're kind of like, hmm, something's going on. That did not occur to me at all. Really? I was just like, oh, he just got whatever she said to him in German just pissed him off. And so then he just killed her. It like, ugh, I knew, I knew from there something was up, but, uh, but anyway, so um, Mindy and Murray's daughter is uh, getting married. They originally thought about maybe like canceling the wedding, just given everything that's going on. It's scary. Oh, and also like their car explodes. <laughs> um, Murray or um, Meyer's car explodes. I'm pretty sure. Did we find out? Was that the FBI? Was that? No, that was the um, Travis that did that. That psycho guy. Yeah. Um, but because of all this that's going on, they're like, maybe we should cancel the wedding. They're like, no, like we need this. We need to come together. Um, and then this is this, the next few episodes just like ripped my heart out. So we find out the past about, um, Mindy and Murray. They were Holocaust survivors together and they had originally a young son named Aaron. And when they went to um, the concentration camps, they tried to split them up and they didn't want to be split up. But, you know, of course, they're making them. And then they just killed Aaron, just murdered him in front of them. And it's awful. And this is like, oh, this is like going to get me talking about it. So like, Murray is like holding on to his son. And he's like, I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go. And that's what got him killed was he wasn't going to leave him. And then they go to the scene at the wedding and he's walking his water down the aisle and he, he can't give her away at first. Like he hesitates. And that just like broke my heart because just like that you know, God, just, oh, I can't even talk about it. Like, it's just like, it, it like hurt my heart so much. Um, but they have the wedding. Everyone's having a great time. Everyone's there. And, um, we also have some flashbacks of sister Harriet. We find out that, um, she was secretly sent to England as a child with other German girls to hide out during the war. She actually shows up to the wedding with the Nazi that she ran away with in the trunk of her car we find out that that is the man that killed Mindy Murray's son. Um, she calls it like a wedding present. And um, meanwhile, Millie, she breaks up with her girlfriend to protect her. That scene was really sad. Um, and we also find out uh, that Meyer is more than likely Jonah's grandfather. So that um, kind of puts a little twist into things. Um, and then also at the end of the episode, Travis breaks into Meyer's mansion and he burns all of the files that the hunters are using to track the Nazis. Um, so in the next episode, Meyer admits the truth to Jonah. Millie is, um, she's hell bent on charging Meyer with murder. She actually arrests him. 
um, and she misleads a judge to get a warrant. When Jonah finally solves the music code from the records, um, he finds out that the um, there's a plot by the Nazis to um, have a biological attack on the city that night. And so they start following Travis, Murray, Jonah, and Lonnie onto the subway. And then very quickly before the subway takes off, uh, Travis leaves. And Lonnie goes after him, but meanwhile, um, Murray and Jonah are still stuck on the subway. They find that he left a bag there with a bomb. And um, Murray, and this scene got me too. So Murray is like, Jody, you need to get all these people off the off of this train. Do what you got to do. So he basically uh, pretends he's going to like rob them or something, has a gun, like everybody off, everybody off. And then uh, Murray is like, you know, you need to leave too. And Jonah's like, I won't leave you here. I won't leave you. And then he has this like moment where he sees his son. Doesn't he even call Jonah Aaron? Yeah. And then he says like, what does he say? This is like, thank you, Lord, or something. Yeah, thank you, Lord. And then the bomb goes off, and unfortunately, Murray is, is killed. It was so, so sad. That, oh my Heartbreaking. God. I cried. It got me, got me so good. It hurt my heart. I also wonder, like, how many couples that went into the concentration camps actually both made it out alive? Like, I bet not many. Probably not. No, I feel like a lot of men were killed. I'm not, I'm not a Holocaust scholar by any means, but I'm pretty sure a lot of men died. Yeah. And it, it was so heartbreaking to me to think that like Mindy and Murray made it out of the concentration camp. And then he like gets blown up with a, like by a bomb, like, Oh my God, just broke my heart. It broke my heart too, but he knew what he was doing, you know, True. protecting. He was, yeah, he was saving these people and protecting and he tried, he was trying to defuse the bomb. And I think that he was like cutting each cord, realizing that like, okay, that's not it. That's not it. And kind of got down to the end and then knew that it wasn't going to happen and that he was going to be able to be reunited with Aaron in heaven. And it was just so sad. It, it was it. Oh my God. Okay. So that happens. And then there's a citywide blackout, which actually, I guess, happened. There's the bombing on the subway. There's the bombing of, like, a power plant. Um, and then the blackout, which they all thought that the bombing was supposed to release the pathogen. Well, it didn't. So we find out that those were all actually just distractions. Oh, and uh, Lonnie gets shivved by Travis, too. That happens. He lives. I thought he died at first, and I was like, oh, shit. But no, he lives. And uh, But we find out at the very end of episode eight that um, the colonel actually, that was all just a ruse that they were going to bring in the pathogen through the port, through boats, and they were actually going to put it in corn syrup and target it at low income neighborhoods. And the pathogen would basically take, by the time you realized what you had, it was too late and you were gonna die, so. I just thought it was really hilarious that they chose to put it in corn syrup you know, which is like such a huge thing for America because it's so like money saving. And so all these people are like, oh my God, it's going to be so amazing. Yep. I, I felt targeted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then the next episode, I, I apologize. That was actually episode seven and episode eight. Um, the group actually, or the group as well as friends of Murray, they grieve his death. Um, and also uh, Millie had arrested Meyer and she's trying to interrogate him. And he's like, 
they hear the bombs and the lights and he's like, do you see what's going on? Like, this is, this is the proof. I'm telling you the truth. And she's like, all right, I'll let you go. You know, I'll help you for now, but I, you know, still want to arrest you. You know, she still has to do her, her duty, you know, as an FBI agent. Um, so she actually goes to the funeral. They all go. And Mindy is actually surprised that Murray wanted a Jewish funeral, considering that he, um, considered himself an atheist after the war. He's like, what God would allow this to happen? She, this scene, it's at the end, but, um, uh, broke my heart too. She has this like hallucination when she's talking to Murray and, um, he says, you know, she's asking about their son and he's like, do you want to come see him? And he like takes her into this like beautiful garden. She gets to see her son again. And it's just such a sweet, sweet moment, but it's also so heartbreaking. And Murray tells her, you know, I'll watch after him. He'll watch after me. We'll be okay. You're not ready to join us yet. But we do ask the man that's in their basement that killed their son. He says, go easy on him, you know, show him mercy. And so she goes down there and instead of torturing him, she just shoots him in the head. And then, um, meanwhile, um, Meyer tells Jonah the story of how the wolf made him murder 11 other Jews instead of Ruth. Um, and that's kind of why they didn't get married and why there was some complications in their relationship and what kind of caused him to lose a bit of himself, all of this, these horrible things that he had to do. Um, the hunters find and kill Werner von Braun, a Nazi and NASA scientist. And, um, yeah, and actually it's this episode that it ends where you find out about the syrup. Um, and then episode nine, um, it actually begins with the review of why the U.S. brought Nazis over. And it was so the USSR could not um, recruit them for their government and space program, which actually is true. Learn that in a little bit of research. Um, so that was, that was a nice little intro there. Um, the hunters attack um, the Fourth Reich's bunker, which is where they have all the syrup. Um, they destroy it and the pathogen and pretty much all the Nazis within it. Jonah has a chance to kill Travis, but he hesitates. Millie says that um, she talks him down and says that she can put him in prison. And um, Meyer manages to capture the colonel, but she um, ends up kind of thwarting him and causes him to crash the car and says that the corn syrup wasn't the only plan that they had. Also, meanwhile, with Millie, her mother, before she actually ends up passing away, but before that, there's this really sweet moment where she's like, you know, I know about... I know about your girlfriend who is her nurse. She's taken such wonderful care of me. She's a great person. I know that you are gay and I love you and support you. And I thought that was great. That was a wonderful scene. But then unfortunately her mom does pass away. Um, Meyer is rescued by Harriet after the car crash. And um, he basically tells Jonah that he's a coward because he could have killed Travis, but he didn't. And he tells him that, you know, basically words mean nothing. It's your actions that um, are what matter the most. Um, so it leads him on the hunt to finding the wolf. He wants to find him once and for all. And um, from clues, from letters, from his grandmother, he um, is led to a local surgeon that he believes is the wolf. He captures him and brings him to Meyer, who immediately executes him, doesn't even let him say his piece. And um, again, because of these letters that um, Jonah is reading from his grandmother, uh, Meyer had you know, right after like their liberation, he would have these nightmares about the wolf. and um, he said that, you know, he would pray for him before he killed him because he has to, you know, he has to be able to pray for this man before he's able to do something like that. But when Meyer kills this guy, he doesn't recite the prayer. And he is asking about it. He's like, Meyer, why, 
why didn't you recite the prayer? And he's like, oh, I don't remember that. And he's like, what do you mean you don't remember it? You, you had nightmares about it every night. How do you not remember? And this is, <laughs> this is like the big reveal of the show where you find out and Jonah finds out just kind of putting the pieces together. And, and in his horror, he finds out that Meyer is not who he says he is. He's actually the wolf. He is the wolf. He is Wilhelm Zooks. He is the man who was torturing his real grandfather, Meyer, who he murdered after the war, and he escaped from uh, being hanged by the Soviets. He changed his name. He actually stole his identity. He even got plastic surgery to look like him. That was the guy that he murdered. That was the surgeon. That guy really was kind of a nobody. He wasn't the wolf. And this whole reveal is just so frustrating as you spend this whole show thinking that Myers is this good guy and he's just doing doing right by by the Jewish community but really he was just a Nazi and Jonah's obviously upset and uh Meyer kind of says you know I spent 30 years as a Jew undercover well not really undercover but you know this new identity and it caused him to realize you know the error of his ways and it was terrible what he did and this this hunting that he's been doing was inspired by his grandmother. She met him about a year before, um, and she didn't know that it wasn't actually Meyer because Meyer left her um, back in the 40s, so she never really got to see him again, so she really had no, she wouldn't have known. But uh, he said that it's his penance for what he's done, and he, it's so manipulative. He's just basically telling Jonah, like, you don't, you think I wanna live with this? and I know what I've done and I don't want, you know, forgiveness. And Jonah's like, whatever. And he just, he just murders him. And uh, then he tells the rest of the group who some of them don't really believe him at first that, you know, Meyer was not, Meyer was not Meyer. And um, this causes a lot of the group to kind of, kind of fall apart. So Mindy decides to go, um, move with her daughter and son-in-law and um i think roxy's still a part of it joe actually gets like hit by a car and captured and we're not sure what happens just yet we also find out that harriet is undercover for somebody we don't know but she has this phone call that leads you to believe that she's not who she says she is and um they, I think it's just Lonnie, Roxy, and Jonah left, and they want to continue out. They know that there's more Nazis out there. The, you know, the, the corn syrup was only one plan that they had, so they knew they had to, you know, do more. And uh, Harriet's like, oh, yeah, go to Europe. That's where all of them, yeah, that's where a bunch of them are. So she tells them they need to go to Europe. Meanwhile, Travis, also Travis got arrested, and he's in prison and he lies to his parents like they're like why did you do this why'd you kill that boy and he's just like faking these tears like get me a lawyer i hear the jewish ones are good and he, the lawyer comes to the prison and he wants to start like like a revolution in the prison so he murders him in front of everybody which is awful and just crazy and then the final scene is joe being taken to argentina where um the colonel has escaped and she is in argentina and guess what she's ava braun and hitler is still alive the end the end that's it 
that the show got super nuts right at the very end and i'm just like what it the really hell? did it really did that that the last episode is just like the biggest twist ever and it it leaves it on a cliffhanger there's obviously they're obviously setting up for a season 2 but it's just what Hitler is still alive and he's in Argentina and Meyer was not Al Pacino was a fake the whole time like it's I feel like how I felt kind of when I watched The Sixth Sense for the first time I was just like what what is happening been led to believe something for 9.75 episodes and then it's just like a bomb drops like what the hell for real like it is more than 10 hours of your life and you're just like okay this is how it ends it's it's pretty ridiculous and so that's hunters um oh i also don't i don't know if you mentioned before but this show was directed by jordan peele he was an executive producer yeah oh executive producer yep which yeah. I, I thought was really cool. I didn't notice it in the credits at first, but then when I noticed it, I was like, oh, he's just amazing. He is. I, I, love, I love all of his work. I love what he does. Um, there's a lot to unpack with this show, a lot that I want to talk about as far as, like I said in the beginning, some of the controversies with this and, you know, what's true and what is fictionalized for, for television. But first, uh, let's talk about what else we're watching. All right, Nina, what else are you watching? Um, I just finished Little Fires Everywhere, which the last episode of the series came out last night on um, April 22nd. So it's a few days after this airs. But um, I wasn't sure. I had been watching it for a while. It came out with like a few episodes right away on Hulu, and then it was a weekly release. And I wasn't sure how long it was going to go. I didn't read the book. I'm intrigued to read the book now because I've heard that it's very different than the show, um, but I really enjoyed it. And I didn't know that it was a limited series, only eight episodes. So everything got kind of wrapped up in the episode that I watched last night and I really, really liked it. Yeah, I've heard but that's, I, sorry, I was just gonna say that's all I've really had time to watch lately. Yeah, I've heard really good things about, um, or about that show. I, so I don't know why, but it reminded me of, because Reese Witherspoon is in that show. She's also in Big Little Lies. Yep. And when I was on maternity leave, I watched the first two seasons and loved that show. So I'm wondering, is there going to be a season three? Is that coming? I'm not sure because I know that that show is also based on a book or books. They definitely, at the end of the second season, leave it up to more happening. But I remember, you know, kind of after the first season, I mean, all the big stuff happens in the first season, and then it's like, well, shoot, now what's going to happen? Yeah, the whole second season was really just kind of an aftermath of the first season. So I don't really, I mean, I liked all the characters a lot from that show. I did really enjoy the show, but I don't need, I don't really think that there needs to be another season. No, I agree. Sometimes, and I feel like Nina and I both kind of feel this way about Hunters as well, is that you know, sometimes it's just one and done, like do a mini series. Like, I don't really think that you need to continue on with stories sometimes. Like sometimes it's just the story ends and it doesn't need to continue. It's kind of like, did you ever watch 13 Reasons Why? Yes, that should not have had a second season either. 
that show is just problematic in general. Yes. But, uh, but it, hmm. the first season I remember watching, and I, I've talked about it before, that show is the reason why I never started Handmaid's Tale because I was sad after I watched that show and I didn't want to watch anything else sad. That's fair. But the first season is rough and has some really, really, really upsetting scenes. And, um, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the show, it is about a girl who takes her own life and releases a set of tapes to all the people in her life that she believes had something to do with it, her decision, um, which also is kind of problematic in itself, that idea that, you know, like revenge, suicide and stuff, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a healthy message for teenagers who is their primary demographic. And then there are two following seasons and those seasons just like completely went off the rails. Like the show, the first season was based on a book and then the second, third season were just, you know, kind of like with uh, Big Little Lies was not part of a book, was just created to extend the show and I remember watching the second season and thinking this is garbage and then I never watched the third season because I just I didn't want to continue on I didn't even know there was a third season honestly because I watched half of the second season and was like okay I'm done with this well spoilers um Bryce is murdered in season three what and that's kind of the whole the whole thing I guess Kendra our um uh HR generalist she watched it and she was talking to me about it when it had come out originally sometime last year and she was like, Oh yeah, like all, all this stuff happens. And I'm like, doesn't make me want to watch it at all. So, <laughs> but yeah, some of these shows just, they're fine with just the one season. Like, and that's what I kind of originally liked about American horror story. Like, yes, it continued on, but it was a new story every time. But then that show just went nuts and just all the seasons started to become ridiculous and stupid. And so I don't know. Are you watching anything else? You know, not really. I've really been focusing on this show. Um, but I'm very excited about all of the new stuff that's going to come out um, in May, specifically Dead to Me Season 2. I'm so yes. excited. That I, show, I, like, really didn't... When Season 1 came out, I really didn't see any anything, like, leading up to it. I was just, like, just, like, found it on Netflix when it came out. I was like, oh, what's this? And it ended up being one of my favorite shows that... Was that last year that it came out or two years ago, maybe? Yeah, but it was, it was like, like January of 2019, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. So it just January. feels like forever ago. But um, that was one of my favorite shows last year. It was so good. I'm a, I'm a little concerned because, again, that first season was so good. I'm a little concerned the second season won't live up and they won't really know where to go. They obviously leave it up to something happening in season two, but I don't know. Also, I love James Marsden, you know? like Oh, I do too. He's so great. I'm just worried that, you know, without him, and obviously he's not the main character, you know, Christine Applegate and, uh, um, oh my gosh, what is her name? Linda Cardinelli. Yes. Both of them Cardellini? are- I don't know. Cardellini? Yeah. They are fabulous, and I love them, and so I'm excited to see. They did such a great job of season one. Um, oh, I was speaking of West, or speaking of James Marsden- um, that reminds me of that Westworld season three just started airing. So I watched the first episode a couple weeks ago and then kind of got sidetracked. So I've got to catch up on that. He, I don't think is in season three. I think his character is killed off in season two, maybe. So. That was another show I've heard really good things about. Mm -hmm. Um, no, we have a lot. I'm really excited for, um, the month of May for us. We have a ton of really great original content we're going to talk about. 
Um, and we also, because uh, May has Mother's Day, we have a special episode for, you know, like mother-daughter relationships. Um, and I'm just excited. There's going to be a lot to watch, and especially because um, I read somewhere the other day, at least in Nebraska, they're, they're thinking that they're going to continue with social distancing uh, regulations until June, at least. So, going to have a lot of time. <laughs> a lot of time to watch other stuff. It's definitely a bummer. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be social distancing any longer than is necessary. I think it is definitely still necessary right now. But the po most positive thing about it is that at least it's nice out now. I'm like, oh, yeah. I couldn't do it anymore with this. Like we got here in Omaha, we got snow um, like just about a week ago. And then today when we're recording this podcast, the high is 80 today. It's just so bizarre. It is. No, I agree though. I'm glad that it's nice. Like yesterday was my wedding anniversary. So my husband and I sat outside and when it got cooler, we had a little fire. I've been taking walks almost every day. It is nice. It's, it's very comfortable. And at least, at least, you know, you can still leave your house and be outdoors. So at least there's that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick of the social distance distancing too, but, um, I've seen, you know, of course you've all seen it all the healthcare workers protesting, the protesters that are protesting, you know, lockdown laws, and, or I wouldn't even say laws, but yeah, there's a lot of craziness out there. So I don't know, it might be best to stay inside and watch some stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. You know, take care of yourself, your mental health and your physical health as well. Sometimes you just need an escape, but yeah, that is what else we're watching. Okay, everybody, welcome back to our review of Hunters. So like I said, um, I really wanted to kind of dig into the history behind this show. Um, and that kind of leads me into the controversy. So the show has had really polarizing reviews uh, with criticism for its tone and pacing and praise for its performances. So I would agree, the performances are great. The actors are wonderful, do a great job with um, the material. Um, it has a 65% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes um, with an average rating of 6.21. Metacritic gave the series a score out of 55 out of 100 based on 37 critics indicating mixed or average reviews. Um, most notably, the series received criticism from the Auschwitz-Birkenau Birkenau, Birkenau, Birkenau State Museum due to inaccurate use of the um, Auschwitz concentration camp. So like I said, I, may, I might have said it, I might not. The, um, the scene depicting prisoners being forced to participate in the human chest, they called dangerous foolishness and caricature, because that obviously didn't happen. There was also a scene um, at the beginning of one of the episodes where um, there's a group of Jews who had to perform like Nazi music and they uh, kind of defected and started playing um, Nagila, um, Hava Nagila, and they were all murdered. That probably didn't happen. Um, there was a lot of dramatization of stuff that was going on and I can understand that respect that I am not of Jewish faith. Um, so I, it's, it's hard for me to really speak on like what you can and can't do. But, um, I would also say that, you know, from a, just from a, somebody watching the media or sorry, somebody watching the show and understanding the history, 
but yeah, I can understand how that can be, can be offensive or, or dangerous. Um, the museum is also concerned that because of these scenes that um, it welcomes future deniers, which to me, like, I understand that, like, that sounds so ridiculous that there are people out there that truly don't believe that the Holocaust happened. These, you know, crazy, I mean, there's conspiracy theories about everything, but like that one to me, is just like, how can you possibly, but there are people out there. There are people that genuinely believe that and to, you know, perpetuate these stories that we know aren't true that are just in there for dramatic effect other people will use is like well that didn't happen so the whole thing didn't happen and so i get it i understand um i think yeah. the holocaust is really kind of a sensitive topic but um i mean think about how many shows and movies have been based around it i'm sure that there's tons of historical inaccuracies throughout all of those like all of those films. I, I feel like there's also kind of like a, not a fetishism, but like people are obsessed with World War II. They're obsessed with learning about the Nazis and about the Holocaust. Like that's, that's why there are so many movies and television shows about it because it's so as heartbreaking as it is, it's so fascinating. And it's um, fascinating that it literally, I just, I mean, I'm like fascinated by it because I'm like, how did this happen? How? It's, have you ever been to um, the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C.? I have. That, if you guys, if any of you are in the D.C. traumatizing. Area, yes. If you're in the D.C. area once, you know, obviously all these uh, COVID-19 stuff is over and you have not had a chance to go, it is definitely worth the time. It takes you a couple of hours. I mean, it is, unless you just like breeze through it, but you know, why even go at that point? It is one of the most sobering and humbling experiences that I've ever had in my life going through that museum and it takes you step by step how you know it starts from the very beginning how Hitler was elected and rose to eventually what became the Third Reich and the Holocaust and people say all the time like how did this happen it, it was in motion for a long time but you know people weren't really paying attention and it's unfortunate that Sometimes, you know, it seems like history repeats itself a little bit. And it's like, how do we let these things happen? We don't learn from history. And it's very important that we do. And we pay attention to these things that happen. So they don't happen again. But um, no, I agree. I'm also very fascinated with, with, uh, with World War II. And um, so having a lot of media about it and shows and movies is, of course, you know, understandable because there are other people like us that are interested in it but it is important also that line of you know not to completely stretch it just for your own benefit and to make things seem more interesting but I think also too watching this show like I think it was easy for you to tell like again the um Havanagila scene I knew that didn't happen like I I knew that that wasn't real but maybe it was who knows <laughs> like you know like some people I can see would be able to misconstrue some of those scenes and yeah. question, you know, what's real and what's not. The director of the USC Shoah Foundation, Stephen Smith, heavily criticized the show and concluded that Amazon must not renew it for a second season. Also, the show um, was in hot water after being accused of revisiting his revising history and giving an inadequate response to the accusations. 
Um, and then also they uh, called out Amazon, like the company Amazon, um, for selling Nazi propaganda on their website. And uh, so like, like books, novels. And so the company did not respond to the criticism of Hunters, but the show creator um, and executive producer David Weil, or Weil has uh, released the statement, while Hunters is a dramatic narrative series with largely fictional characters, it is inspired by true events. It is not a documentary. It was never purported to be. Um, and speaking of the chess match scene specifically, this is a fictionalized event. Why did I feel this scene was important to script and place in the series? To most powerfully counteract the revisionist narrative that whitewashes Nazi um, perpetration, showcasing the most extreme and representationally truthful sadism and violence that the Nazis perpetuated against the Jews and other victims. So basically saying he added these super graphic scenes to make a point that these Nazis were terrible people, which I get to as well. Like sometimes it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes you have to go that route to make a point, but. Well, like I said, I feel like you could say that about almost any like film or TV show about World War II. Like even when we were talking about the man in the high castle, like that is obviously super historically inaccurate because it's kind of about like an alternate reality, but I mean, it has a lot of the same ideas, so I feel like you could say that about that, too. And you can say it, too, about we reviewed Green Book last year, and that uh, movie was under fire, too, for inaccuracies, like their friendship wasn't really that great, or they didn't, you know, reach out to his family. Um, so, I mean, that's, unfortunately, and this sounds kind of reductionist, but, I mean, that's Hollywood they are going to take something and make it more interesting so people will watch it. I think maybe, I mean, not even just for that reason, but I do think some of the scenes in the show were a bit too much just from a, like a personal standpoint, like, Oh, you know, like I'm not really like afraid of gore or violence, but some things I'm just kind of like, oh, I wasn't necessary. So I mean, there's a little bit of that in the show for me personally, but um, overall, like I understand the, the anger and the controversy, but um, I also understand from the other side too that you know it's it was there for a reason. It was not meant to be like this is what happened. So I I get it. Um, so the last thing that I wanted to bring up was you know what is true. You know like we know what's not true in this show. What actually did happen? You know Nina and I were not alive in the seventies, so we don't remember any of these things happening, um, obviously, but um, while, there's, while there was not actually a Fourth Reich being organized within the government, the show does um, fictionalize some real events from 1970s America. Um, like I said, like the blackout of 1977, um, and there were many European Nazis welcomed as potentially useful spies against the Soviet Union with NASA employing a number of war criminals who should have been imprisoned. So that part is kind of true. So Nazis, some of which were implicated in serious war crimes, did move to the U.S. after World War II. Some did live in New York City. Um, this is all according to NPR. In the book, The Nazis Next Door, investigative reporter Eric Lichtblau writes about thousands of Nazis who were able to settle in the U.S. after World War II. Some were brought in with direct help from American intelligence officials to act as spies and informants in the Cold War against the Soviet Union. So like I said, that scene, and I think episode nine, eight or nine, where they talk about 
you know, these, these people, our weapons, would we rather our enemy have the weapon or would we rather us have control of the weapon? I don't really know if that's what was said, but that idea was definitely true of bringing these Nazis over, using them for our personal gain. That did happen in, in the space race, unfortunately. Um, as a reward for spying, records of their wrongdoings were frequently expunged by the CIA. They actively cleansed their, record, their records. They realized that guys who had been involved at senior levels of Nazi atrocities would not pass through immigration. They basically removed a lot of the Nazi material from their files. Um, this was all kept under wraps from the American public until 1979 when a Nazi hunting task force was created by the Justice Department. Teams of lawyers, investigators, and historians came together to review hundreds of names of suspected Nazis and collaborators living around the country. So there were actually Nazi hunters, which I thought was really interesting because I didn't know any of that. I didn't either. And also, I can't, can't imagine being like, you know, you're a high level Nazi and then America's like, here, come here, we'll grant you immunity if you help us. And then like 30 years later, you get like hunted down by this other like task force. You're just like living your life. It's crazy. And you know, if you're familiar with history at all, we have some black marks on our history, things that we did in our past that were not great. I would say this is maybe one of them, in my personal opinion. Should we have brought Nazis over to help us with the space race? No. Probably a poor choice. <laughs> but it happened, unfortunately. And I just hope that because of this show, who knows if it's going to get a season two? Who knows if they are going to, uh, you know, with all this controversy, if they're going to just push past that and be like, all right, let's keep going. Who knows? But uh, I hope at least people learn something from it. Not necessarily like about history, but about just, again, like I said before, history repeating itself. That, you know, some of the, you know, the dialogue, which was obviously there for a reason, very anti-Semitic comments and just the, the attitude towards Jewish people. Like there are some scenes that were very like, almost like breaking the fourth wall. Like, do you remember that? Like, it was like a game show. Like, why do people hate No, I love that. It was obviously like, satire trying to be funny like why do people hate the jews and it was all like offensive stereotypes and things like that but then the game show host like he like looks directly at the camera and he's like how would you do with this game or your loved ones or your family like what would you say kind of like pointing the finger back at you you know like there are still people like this you know like right i thought that was kind of cool in its own like kind of like you know, like black comedy way, but then being serious at the same time, like, okay, like people actually think like this, don't forget about that. And that's messed up. One last thing I did want to bring up was, was some of these um, Nazi hunting task force and groups, um, which inspired the show. Um, so not all Nazi hunting groups were government mandated. One group, um, Nakam, which is Hebrew for revenge, formed to seek vengeance after World War II ended. Um, Members of Nakam traveled the world hunting down Nazis and imposing vigilante justice. So I guess there were people murdering Nazis out there. Um, there were also many nonviolent Nazi hunters who devoted their lives to tracking down war criminals, building a case, bringing them to court. One of the most well-known hunters is Simon Weisenthal, who survived five concentration camps before spending the rest of his life seeking justice. He was directly involved in the prosecution of hundreds of Nazis, though... Uh, 
Al Pacino's character in Hunters was rumored to be loosely based on him, um, but a member of um, the Simon Wiesenthal Center denied any ties to the series. The series doesn't claim to be based on any one specific group, but rather draws inspiration from a number of Nazi hunters and groups. They were active um, in the 70s. Hunters doesn't document, a, while they were active in the 70s, the show does not document a singular occurrence specifically. Um, they just targeted um, the ones that were infiltrating the government. So I learned a lot while doing research for the show. I don't know about you, Nina, but. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. It is very fascinating. And it makes you wonder like, why don't we learn more about, maybe we did learn and I just didn't pay attention, but I wish we learned more about this with our, you know, history in school. Cause it's mm -hmm. important. Like I said, if we do not remember our history, we are doomed to repeat it. All right, uh, let's get into our official review of the show Hunters. Hmm. I think I'm gonna give it, I don't know, I, okay. Let me just kind of explain my reasoning first. I really liked the show. It was entertaining, kept me hooked, great characters. I thought that the costuming was great. The music was great. What I didn't like, I thought that the story was really, really long. And I don't think that, we were, Nina and I were talking about this before we did this review that maybe it didn't need to be a show. Maybe it could have been a film. Maybe it could have been a movie. Um, a lot of, some of the side plots were a little unnecessary to the main story. I don't know, maybe it only could have been a show. I don't, but me personally, it was very long. Some of it could have been cut. Um, but also, you know, some of the inaccuracies in the ending was just wild to me. And I feel like the ending, I, I was entertained, like, oh my God, really? But at the same time, I was also like, this kind of, it doesn't ruin it, but it kind of just like, it makes the story extremely unbelievable. Like, and I know it's not supposed to be believable, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of, it's a bit too far into the like fantasy realm for me. Like Hitler's this old man in Argentina, they have a brawn, they fake their deaths, and they have four little children, identical children running through the fields of Argentina. Like that for me was like a bit much. It's like a really weird turn, I thought. It did. I liked the twist with Meyer because they did kind of place little nuggets throughout the show that would make you think something was up with him. But that whole thing with Hitler, I was just like, oh my God, no way. I, no, I don't know. I don't know if I can, if I can handle that. So for me, I think I'm going to give it a three out of five. It's entertaining. If you like World War II history, if you like learning about the Holocaust, if you like superhero films or shows or whatever, it's kind of its own brand of superhero I guess it's I think it's worth a watch it's interesting and it will get you it'll get you hooked it's definitely if you're staying inside something that will keep you busy but I did have my problems with it so that's that's my score three out of five I would actually agree with all of that another thing that really bothered me about it was the timeline didn't make sense um as far as like when they were in the war how old um Jonah's grandma and Meyer were supposed to be and how old Jonah's mom like should have been like I have been trying to figure this out since episode one and it just doesn't make any sense that he's 18 and Meyer looks to be like 70 or something like it just none of it makes sense 
I don't know why it's just really bothering me but um yeah I would totally agree though with everything that you said like I I didn't I didn't love the twist only because I knew what that meant for like if there was going to be a season two then it's not obviously not going to have Al Pacino in it so that's really sad um I felt like tricked kind of that the whole season I'm like rooting for him in a way I'm like man he's the leader of this vigilante group and is really like like all of the whole group really looks up to him as their leader and they're asking him what to do next and then he turns out just to be a piece of shit man I just like felt betrayed by the show so um yeah I would agree probably a three out of five though I it was very entertaining I was really super into it for the majority of the show Agree. Yeah. It, Al Pacino is a, he did such a great job with this. And again, I did research on all the actors. Like some of them weren't intended to be Jewish in the show. Like Roxy wasn't supposed to be Jewish. Joe wasn't supposed to be Jewish. So I, you know, they, those characters aren't, or those actors aren't. But, um, when I, I, Al Pacino is Italian, obviously. Um, and so I was like, why did they pick Al Pacino to play this really old Jewish guy? There you go. Because he's not supposed to be Jewish. <laughs> So I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah, guys, that is Hunters on Amazon Prime. Give it a watch. Let us know what you thought of this show. Um, this is our last episode for April. So um, we made it through a whole month of quarantine episodes. How do you feel about it, Nina? I can't believe the end of April is almost here anyway. Um, and now that we've been working from home for, has it been six weeks now? Yep. I just don't even know how that's possible but that just means that it is one step closer to being summer i'm ready for the pool it's true we might have to just get a kiddie pool if we can't go to the pool there's one by my house like a little community pool um but no i agree yeah i suppose maybe community pools will be affected by this all um but nina do you have a pool at your house is that what you're saying no, actually, my in-laws have a pool, so <laughs> I'm like, well, they're just going to have to leave, and I'm just going to have to lay out by myself. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, we're planning on building a, um, well, we have a little fire pit, but we're planning on turning, um, we have this little, like, I think there was, like, a kid's play set there at one point, and um, it's now, it's just, like, a patch of dirt. I think we're going to turn that into a sand pit and move the fire pit over there, so, I don't know. So you'll have room for a kiddie pool. Hell yeah. Little, little project for the summer while we're staying home. Um, guys, we have a lot of great stuff for May. We have some great movies. We have some great shows. As always, though, if you're watching something that you think we should talk about, let us know. There's a ton of stuff coming out, especially on Netflix. Um, original content, new seasons of shows, movies. Um, you know, stay busy, stay occupied. And again, thank you to all of our healthcare workers for what you're doing, especially now with, uh, you know, just all the scrutiny that you're getting from from protesters, you know, just know we stand behind you. We we believe in you. We know that this is tough, but we are here for you. And again, hopefully this podcast gives you a little a little relief from all of that. But uh that that's that's it guys. So <laughs> keep on streaming. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.